It's great to be with you. Wow, what an amazing church. Um, this is the highest compliment I could, I could pay your church. Um, when I walked in this room, I could sense God's presence. And when God gives us his pronounced presence, it's a, it shows us he favors a place. And so um, this is a favored place by God. It's favored because you, and one of the reasons is because you, um, you have some amazing leaders. Uh, Pastor Ethan and Lena are just some of the absolute best people on the planet. Amazing, their heart for God, their gifts. Um, I'm just telling you, God's hands on his life, and um, the best is in the days ahead. I'm excited about what God's gonna do here. I'm honored to be with you, uh, but I, to do that, I did have to leave uh, my family. I'd love for you to see my family. I wish they were here today. Um, that's my wife, Kayla, and our five children. I know some of you are like, how many, how many kids? Look, look, you, the mixed response, like, why do you have that many kids? I, I don't, um, you, you think, well, you must love kids. No, I love my wife. That's why we got all these kids, you know, and uh, she does wish she could be here today. But, um, and as Pastor Ethan did mention, we, we pastor an amazing church in St. Louis, but um, I, I, God's given us an opportunity. Um, next year, a book is coming out, and I wanna, I wanna just say, maybe you could be a part of that. How many of you know someone who once was part of a faith community, a local church, but is no longer because they were wounded in the place they worship. How, how many people you know somebody like that? Look at that, yeah. So um, a couple years ago, God put a, a message on my heart called Hope After Church Hurt. And that's the name of the book that'll be releasing next year. And um, here's what I just believe. I believe there's a lot of people who live by this mantra, I love Jesus, I just can't stand his people. And I, I think that's a unique pain. And I think when you were hurt in the place that was supposed to heal, you need some specific attention. And I feel like God's given us a message to be able to do that. So I hope that you will be a part of that. You can hit that QR code uh, and you can hear about when it releases. You can read some early chapters. Maybe you know someone who needs that healing. Uh, my prayer is just the body of Christ, the disconnected body of Christ would be healed. And I, I hope that maybe you could use that book to, to reach somebody you know. But um, I'm excited for today. Okay, um, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 20. I wanna share with you as I prayed about our time, um, you're in this series on the book of Acts, seeing what the early church had and, and what they valued. I wanna, um, I wanna just come alongside that with a message called Diagnosing Delays. Uh, just about a year ago, across the nation, on a single day, 12,000 flights were canceled. That left people in airport stranded, frustrated, unable to get to where they wanted to go. Nobody likes to wait. I mean, we, we don't enjoy waiting for a table at a restaurant. We don't like to wait for tables uh, when we go to, the, to other places. We don't want to wait in the doctor's office. We definitely don't want to be stranded in airports. And yet, on this journey that you and I are on in faith, there are these moments where it seems like things are going tremendous, like God's plan is unfolding fast. And then all of a sudden, it's like someone hit pause. All of a sudden, our marriage stops growing. Our dream starts progressing. Our, our, our business all of a sudden caps out. And we're left frustrated like those folks in that airport, wondering what happened. And for most of us, we just get frustrated and we lash out. But over the years, I have learned that that is often the hand of God that he will reach into our lives and he will push pause. Now, the thing is with God, he doesn't push pause without cause. That often he will not advance us because there's something in us that needs addressed. 
And so instead of lashing out in frustrations, it's often better for us to ask God, why? And to diagnose our delays. Now there's a lot of reasons God may have delayed your progress, but here's one that you may not have considered. It's one I wanna talk to you about today. It's one that appears all throughout the book of Acts. Often our progress stops because our prayers get too small. And so today I wanna talk to you about small prayers. Um, It was several years ago, Kayla and I had just put the kids down to bed and we were kind of finding our way into the living room. I turned on the Cardinals baseball and um, we were getting ready to enter into 21 days of prayer as a church. Uh, This is a time that we set aside, maybe you do something similar where we, for 21 days, really bring intentional prayers to God. Just believing that, that all of us collectively, sharing in faith, will see something great. So um, I'm always curious about what Kayla's gonna be praying so I can pray with her. So that night I said, hey, 21 days is coming up. What is it you're believing God for? And she said, well, you know, there's some things in my own heart. And she began to list the things that were in her heart she hoped God addressed. Then she said, "Um, and there's some things for each of our kids. And she went into Sawyer and Ellie and Sydney and Remy and Caroline. and, um, And then she said, and there's just this one last thing. She says, I really feel like God has asked me to pray that someone would come to our church and give $3 million. Now, I, I, in the moment, I'm just gonna be honest, I was half watching the ball game, half listening to my wife. You know, when she's talking about her heart, I'm kind of nodding. When she's talking about each of the kids, I'm kind of agreeing. But when she said, I'm praying that someone comes to our church and gives $3 million, I went, what? You're praying what? She said, I, I, I feel like God's called me to pray that someone would give our church $3 million. She said, could you imagine what we could do with campuses, our Hope Center outreach downtown? She said, if we had $3 million. Being the giant in the faith that I am, I began to explain to my wife how improbable that was. <laughs> Kayla, we don't have people that have $3 million. I don't even know anybody. What, what are you talking about? That's not gonna make any, and just about the time I was gonna help her shrink her prayer down to something more reasonable, I heard the Holy Spirit speak to my heart, and here's what he said. I look forward to hearing why you think I can't answer her request. Now listen, it's one thing to be on the bad side of your wife. It's a whole other thing to be on the bad side of your wife and the Holy Spirit. Yet here I am faced with this reality that as the pastor of a church, my prayers had somewhere along the way gotten shrunk down to size. I wonder if that's the same for you. Let's do a little test. I want you to imagine right now with me every single prayer you've prayed in the last seven days. Just categorize it real quick. Now I want you to imagine if the minute you prayed it, God answered it. What would life look like? No, no, seriously, every single prayer for the last seven days, if God answered, yes, do that, what would we see? For some of you, you would have made it to grandmother's house safely. Others, your food would have been blessed. Some of you might have passed an exam. Maybe somebody here would have got a raise. Maybe the most ambitious among us, somebody here won the lottery, which by the way, if that happens, we have online giving here at Vibrant. We'd love for you to participate. (laughs) No, 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 seriously, if God answered every prayer you prayed over the last seven days, would the world even notice? And if you can't answer that with an affirmation, then maybe you, like me, struggling with small prayers. I love this. Um, I think that Jesus encountered this as Matthew chapter 20. He's really gained quite a bit of notoriety, people are coming to him to receive fishes and loaves and miracles and teachings, and 
He's kind of got a, a little bit of a Justin Bieber effect going on where everywhere he goes, people are swamping him. Matthew 20 says that he's walking into a city called Jericho and he goes by a gate and as he goes by this gate, all of a sudden there's a shouting that takes place from a couple guys who want to engage Jesus. Matthew chapter 20, starting with verse 30, it says, two blind men were sitting by the roadside when they heard that Jesus was going by. They shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and he called them. Now this is the part that gets me. Here's the question. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Now just picture this. Sometimes I read the Bible and I, I find it funny. Jesus is walking by two blind men and he gets a few feet from them and he hears shouting and he turns and it's two blind men. So then he stops and motions for two blind men to walk to him and then he watches two blind men feel their way through the crowd till they're standing before him and Jesus, who's known for healing, says, hey fellas, what can I do for you? Who's the blind one here, Jesus? It's pretty clear what these two guys need. I mean, it's obvious. What did he think they were gonna do? Like, Jesus, we were just wondering, do you have a doggy bag from the fishes and chips thing? Is, we, we heard you're a carpenter. I wanted to get a quote on a deck. I mean, it is obvious what these two individuals need, yet Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? Why would Jesus ask that? I think it's because along the journey, Jesus has encountered many people, and he's asked them that question, and they've asked for the bare minimum. I think Jesus has stood in front of other blind men and he said, hey, what would you like me to do to see the size of the request? And here's what he's heard. Jesus, would you pray we get a better place in this city to beg? Jesus, would you pray that, um, that, that, that someone would come? It's hard to find my way home when the, the streets get crowded. That someone would come and help me to my home this evening? Jesus, would you pray someone would open a center for the blind in this community? I think he's asking because he's heard people who've just prayed to be better blind men. People who are praying, Jesus, will you just help me function in my dysfunction a little better? Listen, and, and the reason I believe that is because that's the way we pray. Oh, God, just get me through this week. Just this week, Jesus. Lord, if you, you just take the headache. I can deal with the hip pain if you'll just take the headache. God, uh, will you just help me just until they're 18? Once they're 18, Jesus, they're yours, but just give me enough grace to get to 18. God, will you just help me stay married to him one more day? That's all I'm asking. Will you just help me function better in my dysfunction? Your prayers are a window to your theology. If you don't pray, it has to be because you don't believe God exists. If you only pray for yourself, it has to be because you believe that Jesus is not just personal savior, but personal servant. And if you only pray small prayers, it has to be because you don't believe God does big things. And not these two guys though. These two guys, they're not gonna bring something shrunken. Look at this, Matthew 20, 33. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. 
And Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and followed him. Here's what that teaches us. Don't you pray to be slightly better. If this book says you can have it, then you ask with full confidence and expect to see it in your life. If this book says your family can be put back together, then you ask till you see your family back together in unity. If this book says you can have healing, then you keep asking till you are healed from head to toe. If this book says that you can walk in favor, then do you see every door open with favor you keep asking we don't pray small because this book gives us an inheritance why would we take less when it offers so much see here's the problem is that for many of us I think the issue is this the Bible says we should come to the throne room of grace boldly that tells me God's not just listening to what we ask he's also looking to the attitude with which we ask it but honestly I think most of our prayers aren't bold I think they bore God no, 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 I know theologically that's not correct. And anything that I say that's inerrant to scripture, the pastor Ethan can fix next week. But, but listen, I just think sometimes we're asking God to do stuff we could do. I think sometimes he, he hears what we request and he's like, that's it? And the reason I believe this is because at his core, he chose to reveal himself as a father and father's love showing off for their kids. Listen, I remember one day we were at home and, and uh, uh, Sawyer, who was about, I want to say, seven years old, and, and Ellie, she was about four years old, and uh, Sawyer and his mother were going to be leaving. And, and you know, the firstborn gets everything, all the attention, all the, the decisions, and so I wanted to do something special for little Ellie. It was just going to be me and her home that day. So I, I came to her and I said, hey, baby, Sawyer's going to be gone today with mom. I want to do something special for you, just you and dad. And I knew how much she loved watching Mickey, but she never got to because her brother Dom the remote control. So I said, hey, baby, why don't today I'll let you watch as much Mickey as you want. I'll turn it on. You just sit back. You watch all the Mickey you want. At four years old, she looks at me without hesitation and says, nah, why don't you take me to Disney World? Listen, I'm just telling you, in that moment, something on the inside of me left. I was looking to charter planes. I was trying to find out ways because when my baby believes I can do something, it causes something inside of me to want to move on her behalf. And listen, I say that because that is the heart of your father. So much that in Psalm 2, he says, the Lord said to me, you're my son. Today, I've become your father. Only ask and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. The whole earth is your possession. Let me give you the King Joe version of this. Stop praying for a $3 an hour raise when God wants to make you the manager of the place. Stop praying that you get a promotion when he wants to get you an industry changing business idea. Stop praying your marriage makes it one more week when God wants to put your marriage back together so that you have a model marriage that heals other marriages. Stop praying your kids come to one service. Instead, pray a revival sweeps your whole family. Everyone saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. Stop praying so small when God wants to do so big. Now, here's the reality. I wanna help you today. I'm a pastor at heart. So I'm gonna teach you to pray big. But I'm gonna do it by giving you three small prayers. Because if you just go from where you've been praying to praying big, you'll pull something. So I gotta, I gotta stretch, <laughs> stretch your faith. Okay, so I'm gonna give you three small prayers and you're gonna pray them, I'm gonna pray them and we're gonna see what God does. Here's the first one. God, increase my vision. Come on, since we're in church, we might as well do this. Come on, can you just pray with me right now? God, increase my vision. Now, this is an important prayer. When you consider the Apostle Paul who wrote much of the New Testament, 
Paul saw some pretty remarkable things. Paul saw demons leave people. Paul saw healings take place. Paul saw the dead raised to life. And yet, seeing all that, he says there's more. So much was he concerned that we would get blinded by all that God's already done and not see what he could still do that he wrote a prayer to a church in Ephesus. It's a prayer maybe you've heard before. It's Ephesians 3.20. It says, now glory be to God by his mighty power at work within us who is able to do far more than we could ever dare to ask or dream or infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. Here's what Paul's insinuating. You gotta pray this prayer because you'll never ask for more until you can see more. There is something about our spiritual DNA that the eyes of our faith determine our prayers of faith. And and the problem is for many of us, we don't pray big because we're looking at all the things that are wrong. I mean, it's just hard when you're looking at divorce papers to pray a big prayer. It's hard when you're looking at a diagnosis to pray a big prayer. It's hard when you see the account is at zero to pray a big prayer. So before you start praying big, maybe before you start using your mouth, we need to get your eyes fixed that you recognize God just doesn't see this the way you see this, and that you need to see it the way he sees it before you would ask him to move on your behalf. It's just this reality that your problem, that seems so overwhelming, that's not the way God sees it. Um, You know, I was staying at this really nice um, golf course that your church so graciously let me stay at last night, and I was walking the course this morning, and I was reminded of a story. There was an American golfer who was invited by the king of Saudi Arabia to come and play uh, privately with the royal family for a week. So the golfer took the... um, he took the invitation. He flew to Saudi Arabia. He stayed in the, the royal grounds, played on the royal courses with the royal family. I mean, it was, it was a dream. Nobody gets access like this, and he did. And so at the end of the week, he's about to depart, but the king, through an interpreter, wants to thank this golfer for coming. He says, thank you for, for having me. Um, and as an expression of my gratitude, I would like to give you a gift. What would you have me give you? So the the golfer played it cool. He said, your majesty, being here with you and the royal family, that's the gift. I mean, I I don't need anything. But through the interpreter, again, the, the, the king insisted, please, what would you have me give you? Select something. So the golfer said, well, your majesty, since I was young, I have kept a golf club collection. And um, I've got all kinds of clubs from all over the world. I'd love for you to add to that collection. The king liked the idea and the golfer departed and a few weeks passed and you know, all of a sudden you start thinking, I mean, what kind of golf club am I going to get from a king? I mean, it's going to be gold, jeweled, maybe like a like very old, maybe one of the first used in the game. A few more days pass, and there's a knock at the door. It's a courier, hands him a certified letter. It's from the king. He opens it up and reads it to discover that he's been gifted a 300-acre golf club from the king of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Help your neighbor if they hadn't got it yet, okay? <laughs> you know what? I love that story. It's a reminder kings see on a whole other level than we do. Maybe that's why scripture says his thoughts are above our thoughts and his ways are above our ways. It's because God doesn't see your circumstance the way you see your circumstance. As a matter of fact, scripture says that he already sees the end from the beginning. He already knows how it's gonna work out, who he's gonna bring in, how he's gonna put it back together. God sees this problem already completely taken care of by his ability. And if there's anything the church needs today is not another podcast or conference. We need the Holy Spirit to remind us that there is nothing, nothing, nothing impossible to our God to unshackle our expectation, to open our eyes to his greatness that we are able to ask and he will do exceedingly abundantly more than we can even conceive. God, increase my vision. 
Now, here's the second one. Here's the second one. Uh, God, decrease my doubt. Come on, let's just pray it together on the count of three. One, two, three. God, decrease my doubt. Uh, Jesus' brother James wrote an epistle. Here's what he says in James 1.5. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously without criticizing, and it'll be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. This is the part that gets me. Verse 7, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Who? What person? The doubter. So according to this, we don't see great things because we don't ask great things, and we don't ask great things because, I don't know if we'd admit it in church, but deep down in our hearts, we wonder, we, we wonder, we, 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 we wonder, does God do great things? Doubt is not a problem for your faith. As a matter of fact, you can't have faith without having doubt. What he's referring to is when we stay in doubt. Every person has moments of doubt, but when we stay there, when it becomes what dictates our decisions. And that's the reality of where many of us are. I, I, you even hear it in our language, we rationalize these things away like, well, pastor, I don't, I don't wanna pray big prayers. I tried that one time. I, I, pastor, I, I, I don't wanna do that. You know, last time I did, I was disappointed. I even had a lady tell me one time, she said, pastor, I don't wanna pray too big because if it doesn't happen, I don't wanna make God look bad as if he's gotta protect our reputation. Listen, you, you, you and I should have no fear in praying these extraordinarily large prayers. For one, no other reason than most of us have already seen God do something like that. Can we just real quick, if you've been here, be honest, if you've ever seen God open a door, heal a body, provide in a way that it, I mean, it had to have been him. There's no way, there's no coincidence. That was God. If you've ever seen that, would you just raise your hand real quick? I mean, we have a room filled with people. How, how are we struggling to pray these prayers? Uh, well, see, here's one of the things you have to understand. When we pray big, it doesn't mean we get always what we want. Because if my faith's strong enough to ask big, it's also strong enough to get a no. But praying a big prayer is a win-win. Because you're either going to get what you want or you're going to get what you need. Now, now listen, many of you are praying so sheepishly, you're acting as though when you get to heaven, you're going to be chastised for these prayers you pray. Like you're, you're standing in line, checking in. Like you're looking around, you're like, Wow. A lot more people here. I, I really didn't think there'd be this, you know? And then you see like some people you work with and you're like, made it, wow. Wouldn't have guessed that, you know? And, 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 and so you stand in line and, and all of a sudden God sees you and he's like, hey, hey, come here, come here. I wanna talk to you, come here. They'll hold your place, come here, come here. He puts his big old arm around you and says, listen, I'm so glad you're here. We're gonna have a, a good time for a long time but I gotta get something off my chest. I'm a little frustrated with you. Some of your prayers really put us under a lot of pressure up here. <laughs> like, I mean, I had to take angels off other people to put them on you. We had to reroute, we had rolling blackouts in heaven to, to channel power. A couple of these I had to get off the throne, do myself. So I just, I just want, I had to get that off my chest. We're gonna spend all this time together, okay? Just go ahead, get back in line. Like, that's the way, like, you think that's gonna happen? No, 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 here's what's more likely to happen. Hey, hey, come here, come here, come here. We're gonna have a good time for a long time, but I gotta get something off my chest. There was so much more that I wanted to do. I have all these angels and all this power 
And my throne has never been shaken once by the circumstances of heaven. There was so much more, but you didn't ask. That's more likely. The reason I say that is because in Matthew 21, 21, the disciples come to Jesus and ask about prayer. In another section, they ask about the pattern of prayer. In this section, they ask about the power of prayer. And Jesus starts looking around, and he says, do you see that mountain? He said, prayer, when you ask, channels God's involvement to that mountain could be thrown into the sea if you believe. That's our issue. Because we think that reads, if you understand. Somewhere along the way, we have picked up understanding as a value over faith. We've gotten to the place where we want to believe God after we see how it can all work out. I can see how that works. Okay, I understand how they would. And, and now I see, okay. And we have valued understanding so high, we have lost our identity as believers. We want a faith that requires no faith. Listen, I'm just going to tell you, I don't know it all, but I can tell you this much. If you're going to really see God do miraculous, big, like destiny-shaping things in your life, you better get comfortable saying, I don't know. I don't know. You know? And, and we don't like that. Like, we, we love to know. As a matter of fact, you love to know so much that if I came to you at the end of today's service and said, hey, can you tell me how to get to Columbus's airport? Even though you may not know, you'd act like you know and give me wrong information because you'd rather me be lost than you look like you don't know. <laughs> I'm just telling you, you got to get comfortable saying, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how God reached into the Appalachian culture where, I mean, it's hard to, you got to pipe in sunshine. And he found a heart of stone and he took a kid who was so selfish and insecure and broken and he took that heart of stone and replaced it with a heart of flesh. I don't know how he found me when no one else knew me and there's no pedigree and there's no great giftings, yet he reached in and said, I can use you to help people. And fast forward, here I am today standing before you. I don't know how when I walked into the doctor at 16, they said, you're going to need a kidney transplant and we're going to need you to come back in a week. And the only thing that happened between that appointment and my next one is I went to the altar and had some people pray over me, but when I went back to that next appointment, they said, you got no issues, and that was 20 plus years later. I don't know how that happens, but here's what I've learned. I don't have to know how if I know who. If I know who's in charge of my life, who's guiding me, who's keeping me, who's providing me, I don't have to know how. I just need to know who, and that will decrease my doubts. Come on, let's celebrate the Lord's goodness today. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. Now, let, let me just warn you. Don't pray this one if you don't mean it. This one's dangerous, okay? God, do the supernatural. Come on, let's pray it with sincerity. God, do the supernatural. Um, Isaiah 43, 19. Maybe it's a verse you've heard before. Let me read it to you. It says, behold, this is God announcing I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make roadways in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now let me, let me give you this. Um, this is the prophet Isaiah. God comes to him one morning and says, Isaiah, wake up. Today I'm going to do the supernatural. Here's what I'm thinking. 
roadways in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. I'm going to make ways where there's no ways, and I'm going to bring refreshing where it's dry. What do you think of that, Isaiah? And I think Isaiah went like, all right, whatever. He said, well, how, how? You see, Isaiah received this message in the middle of captivity. This wasn't a message like hanging on his fridge when everything was good, like us. This was a message that he got when they were abused, when they were mistreated and hungry. And I'm sure Isaiah was like, well, if that's what you want to do, because it's hard to believe for big when things are so bad. That's the feeling that's in this room for some of you. There's a divide in this room now. Some have moved into faith and some are still remaining in the reality that that God can't do that for me because, Pastor, I love the message, great illustrations, but if you knew what was going on in my home, you wouldn't be asking me to pray big. If you knew how bad things are, you wouldn't be encouraging me to do this. And, And all I'm saying is this, hey, 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 it always looks bad before God does something big. See, and that's the power of this verse. Here, we miss this verse. We love it's a new thing and roads and rivers. We love all that. That's not what this verse is about. You know what this verse is about? God tells us how he does the supernatural. He tells us how. He says, Isaiah, will it not spring forth? See, we want miracles like we order from Amazon. We want to submit a prayer request. We want to know that it was received by heaven and email verification We want a tracking number to know that it has left heaven, it has come into the cosmos, it's went through China, because I guess everything does, it comes into Atlanta and it makes its way to Columbus, and we want picture verification, it is at our doorstep when we get home from church this afternoon. And he's Isaiah, that's not how I do miracles. You know how I do miracles? It looks like nothing's happening and then it springs forth. It looks like nothing's going to work out, and then, whoosh, there it happened. It looks like a marriage is over, and then, whoosh, there comes selflessness. It looks like a business is failing, and then, whoosh, there comes favor. It springs forth. Will you not be aware of it? I remember when the Lord taught me this lesson. We were in a first Wednesday service at our church. You have first Wednesday. You know how power-packed, exciting they are. We start our first Wednesday, um, like you start this morning, um, in, in prayer. So before service, people come in and they begin to pray. And um, I came in and I was standing probably about right here in the room towards the front. Some were kneeling, some were sitting. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed a lady, middle-aged, with a cane, who slowly made her way a few feet from me and knelt and prayed. I noticed her because that cane was very intentional. She seemed too young to have it. And I could tell in her steps, there was a lot of pain. We prayed a few more seconds and then she got up, or I I went back to my seat, she got up and made her way somewhere behind me to see. Service went on, worship was amazing, just like it was here this morning. Don't you love your worship? I mean, my gosh, I just love that this morning. It was so good. (laughs) Worship was great and I got up to preach and I'm gonna let you behind the scenes when it comes to preachers a little bit. Sometimes what you think you have prepared and is going to be received well, sometimes just it don't hit, doesn't connect. You know, it's bland. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to move the heart. It doesn't seem to, to capture the, the faith. That was one of these messages. Sometimes the most spiritual thing a pastor can do is just let God's people go like Moses and try again next week. That was this service, this sermon. But I was coming to the end of it and... Um, and I thought, well, we need to at least offer prayer. So I said, 
I know I didn't preach on healing tonight, but if you happen to be sick, you know, come forward, receive prayer before we go home. Feeling pretty defeated and honestly just ready to move on from the service. So a few people come forward. There came that lady. Slowly, slowly on that cane, came forward, received prayer. Slowly, slowly walked back. The same struggle. A few more minutes passed and then I came up to close out the service and I was just getting ready. There was somebody praying right here and I was just getting ready to close out. And, and God's honest truth, I was thinking, I wonder if the Cardinals are on tonight. And all of a sudden, I, I happened out of the corner of my eye to see one of our prayer team members waving her arms to get my attention. I saw her. I saw um, she was asking me to come down. So I let the worship team pray play a little bit longer. I went down, and as I'm walking towards her, there's that lady with that cane standing beside her. Her face looked like we threw her a surprise birthday party. Shock, tears. And as I got close, I saw that cane wasn't near her. I leaned in, and I said, hey, sweetheart, what's going on? She said, pastor, I've been healed. And I said, in this service? Tonight? <laughs> Promise. <laughs> I said, tell me what's going on. She said, Pastor, for years I've had a deteriorating spine disorder. It's caused my uh, much pain, many surgeries. She said, I've got more plates and, and screws and so many surgeries. She said, I've been in constant pain. She said, I came up to receive prayer and she said, I I went back to sit down, just waiting for you to dismiss. And she said, all of a sudden, as I was sitting there, it felt like two hands of fire grabbed hold of my legs. She said, Pastor, all of a sudden, I heard the Holy Spirit say, stand up. She said, I stood up. And she said, the first thing that washed over me is there was no pain. Like, no pain. She said, Pastor, I can't remember the last time there was no pain. No pain. And she said, but then that's when it really got me. She said, Pastor, I have to use that cane because this disorder has caused my left leg to shrink several inches shorter than my right leg. She said, I can't stand without that cane. And as I stood there and realized there's no pain, I also realized, Pastor, that my left leg is now the exact same size as my right leg, and I can walk without any assistance. We watched that lady go up the stage, across the stage, back down. I saw her a few weeks ago, still completely healed. Here's why I tell you that story. That service didn't feel supernatural, but it didn't mean God wasn't about to do the supernatural. And your situation right now, it may not feel very supernatural, but it doesn't mean something's not about to spring forth. That right now in your home, there's gonna be a fresh flow of God's spirit. Right now in your business, a fresh flow of God's mercy. Right now in your life, a fresh flow. Just because you don't see it coming, doesn't mean it ain't about to arrive. All you need to do is ask and believe and expect because your God can do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ever ask, dream, or imagine, and that's why we pray big prayers. Now, here's what I want to do. If you'll stand across this room. This is an odd closing, but I felt like this is what the Lord wanted us to do. I want to lead you in praying your own big prayer. So let me be clear. I, I'm not going to pray for you. Your father wants to hear your voice. But he sent me a text this morning, uh, uh, um, like gave me a text in the Bible. You're like, wow, pastors get texts from God. It's like, wow. <laughs> um, but th listen, that's the way I want you to think about this. I've never preached this verse. The Holy Spirit said, 
tell them this is, this is from me to them. I, I know it's odd, but, but I, I want you to see it. It's Jeremiah 32, 27. I want you to think of it as God just sent you a text message. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Is there any marriage so broken I can't heal it? Is there any addiction so strong I can't break it? Any body so wounded I cannot make it whole? Is there anything too hard for me? That's the word of God confronting whatever stronghold lie may be in your heart so that you can release a prayer and see God move on your behalf. I want you to just close your eyes and if you'd feel comfortable enough, would you just open your hands? Don't start praying yet. I want to lead you through this. First and foremost, I want you to get a request in your heart. This is not a God bless me prayer because oftentimes God blesses us and because it's so general, we don't recognize what he did. This is a what do you want him to do? Some of you need debt taken care of. Some of you need a new job. Some of you need a healing. Some of you need an idea. Some of you need something for one of your children. There's an addiction. There's a, a, a misdirection. What do you need? Now, once you've got that in your heart, here's what I want you to do. I want you to increase it. Like if you're asking God to pay off your car, why don't we just go ahead and ask him to make you debt free? If you're asking God to heal your knee, why don't we just go ahead and ask him from head to toe? If you're asking God to have one of your kids come to church, why not ask for all your kids, grandkids, and more? Enlarge it. I want to tell you this just because I want to, I want to give you one more before I let you pray. Two years ago, Kayla and I were invited to a, uh, to a lunch from some people in our church. They sat down with us and told us they had come to the church five years earlier. They said, Pastor, we love the church. We love its outreach. We love everything about it. We just wanted to spend some time with you. It was a great lunch. We had a good time. As we were getting up to leave, they said, Pastor, there's one more thing. We've seen some, some changes in our business, and we wanted to, uh, to give you this. And they slid across the table an envelope. It was a check for $3 million. Not 2.8 not 3.2. They started attending the church two months after Kayla prayed that prayer. I'm telling you, your father listens to the details. Come on, let's pray. Father, right now, I pray that you'd increase their vision to see past their circumstance, past their situation, to you who holds all power. Father, I pray that you decrease their doubt. May every lie of the enemy that's been confronted now with the word of God be escorted out of their mind, out of their theology, and may what remain is the truth, that they have a father, they are not an orphan, that he is a provider, a keeper, and he glories in working in their life. And Father, now we ask. Come on, go ahead and ask. I can't ask for you. Come on, take a minute, ask the Lord. What do you need? Father, we come into agreement right now. Come on, ask. Come on, ask. Father, we ask right now for, for, for degrees. 
God, there's people here who, who need you to help them graduate. God, we ask for scholarships. Come on, ask. Father, we ask right now for those whose marriage are, are broken. May you take out a heart of selfishness, put in hearts of selflessness. Come on, let's ask. God, we ask for healings to take place right now, Father, that, that from their head to their toe they would receive divine healing, Lord, that there would be people in this room who arthritis would begin to just dissolve because of your Holy Spirit's work, that, that congestive heart failure would be cleaned up right now and it would later be discovered at, a, at an appointment. God, the diabetes would begin to just be undone. May you take their biochemistry and just rewrite it right now. We ask, we ask. Father, we ask for lost children, people who are far from God, moms and dads, grandparents who are hungry to see their kids come to know Jesus Christ. We ask for them. Lord, we ask right now for business ideas, people who see an end at the, the job they currently have. They're asking for an idea. God, you can give fresh ideas that will reshape industries. Lord, you can open doors no man can open and close doors no man can close. Father, you are able to show them and order their steps. We ask for those ideas. We ask for favor right now, God. Supernatural favor. God, that, that would take people who no one in their family's ever owned a business. No one in their family's ever graduated. No one in their family, God. But we ask because you're able to pull people up and set them in places they could not climb themselves. Father, we ask for addictions to be broken. Come on, ask, ask. He wants to hear your voice. We ask for addictions to be broken, that literally biochemistry would be redone, that, that the neurological pathways of people's hearts and minds, God, would be redone so that that addiction would be broken from pornography, from, from, from God, from methamphetamines, from alcohol, that it would literally be undone in the presence of the Lord. We ask, we ask, we ask, we ask. Come on, let's finish today. Can we ask on behalf of our church? Can we ask for this city? Listen, I mean, why, why not? Why not? This country so desperately needs a move of God. Why not start here and flood into this, the whole Southeast and across the United States? Why not? If God's gonna do it, why not start in this place? So Father, we ask right now that Vibrant Church would be a place that hosts your glory, that people be driving by this road out here and they would be drawn in, God, that it would just be your presence compelling them to come. We pray in a bold faith to be birthed in the heart of its members that they would ask and see every single neighbor, every coworker, every family member, God, invited and that they would be transformed by the glory of God. We pray that the services would not be able to contain all that you are doing and it would flow out of this building and across Columbus from the mayor's office all the way to the homeless shelter that a move of God would birth out of this place it would sweep across the southeast and it would go across the United States and usher in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ we ask God and we make ourselves available if you're gonna move in this earth why not start here we ask and we believe by faith that God according to your word we will see it come to pass in Jesus name and if everybody agrees come on let's give him the biggest praise we got